welcome to episode four of The Salty Pastor with Dr. Douglas Peak. Uh, today we're going to talk and continue our discussion on how love is the greatest tool in God's toolbox, mm-hmm. how it helps us grow strong. Um, we're going to continue discussing 1 John chapter 4. And as always, we're using this podcast to really dive deep on upcoming sermons and learn about practical applications that may not fit in the 25-minute sermon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, please welcome... Pastor Doug, who is the Salty Pastor. The Salty Pastor. So people are saying, where did you get the Salty Pastor from? And well, it's really interesting how this name came about is we bantered about probably four or five really good names for this podcast, didn't we? Yes. And they were all taken. And we were just late to the game. So this was the... uh... So off the top of my head, I said, try Salty Pastor. And so he looked it up and he says, it's not taken. Let's go. (laughs) I said, good. But actually, I I got it from... um, uh, a lot of people don't know, but a number of years ago, Zach and I went. We got our Zach, your son, my son Zach. For those who have not met yeah, Zach, have yet. not met Zach yet. My son, he's now 25 years of age. Just got married this summer. We're very proud of him, and uh, and congratulations to him. But a number of years ago, he and I uh, went to the coast in Washington, and we got our captain's license for sailboats up to 50 feet. So to add to the numerous numbers and letters after your name, (laughs) Captain Dr. Douglas Peak, insert alphabet soup at the end, man of many talents. Well, it's just a big joke in our family. By the way, for his birthday this last year, our gift to him is we bought one square foot of property. (laughs) Yeah, in Scotland. And so when you own property in the British Isles, you're technically a lord. So Zach is Lord. Lord. Yeah. Zachary? Is it Zachary? Yeah, it's Lord, Z- Lord Zachary. Zachary Peak. It's Lord okay. Zachary of, there's some weird name. I, I can't even that. pronounce I it. Need but. A, I need one of those. <laughs> need I'm one of those. all over that. After <laughs> so this podcast Lord. is over, I'm buying. <laughs> but it, but it, one of the things is when you say, hey, that guy's a salty sailor, you know, it means different things. Uh, in, um I think a little bit has to do with people like, oh, man, he's edgy or rude or stuff. But in really, in reality, it means you've been tested by the sea and you've passed it. You've passed. In other words, you've been out there. You've been through the storms. You've weathered the storms. And so when, a, when an old sailor comes in and nothing phases him or her, it's like, man, that's a salty sailor right there. You know, they've been through the ups and the downs and the thick and the thin. And then also I think it has a deep meaning about, you know, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Right. You know. And so, as you know, working for me, I'm not a bandwagon guy, you know, and our culture is big. 100% into, <laughs> not. You know, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, did you hear what happened? Da, 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 what do you think? Da, 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 what is it? Oh, we got to run over here and do this. I'm like, yeah. For, you just know, keep rowing. Keep rowing. rowing. Yeah, look, man, there's always another wave. You know, some waves splash over and get you wet. Sometimes they don't. But it's not the direction, the old sailor's phrase, is not the direction of the wind. It's not the, the direction of the gale. It is the set of the sail that determines where you go. Those old sailors, they had it right. Yep, they knew it. So what we're talking about right now is 1 John chapter 4. Focusing very specifically on love, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. So our last episode, I read through it. Yes. And we, we discussed that a little bit more. We're going to dive a little deeper on it. Um, I wanted to kind of go back to a new word I learned on the last one, mm-hmm. which was Gnosticism. <laughs> yeah. um, and we d- kind of defined that as basically a way of looking at knowledge. How do we know there's, 
we have so much uh, what the, the the current trending phase is fake news or yeah. um, so many variations of what your truth is these days. How do you know if something is true? I think a lot of people are taking liberties with what's quote unquote true these days. How do we know what's really true? Well, I think that in the first century, when John was writing this, Gnosticism was a clearly defined philosophical position. And a number of Christians who initially were following Jesus had adopted Gnosticism. And in this position, it was basically, we see knowledge differently than Orthodox Christians. We still want to be Christians, right? Right. But we see knowledge different. Gnosticism was basically this concept, and that was, uh, is it focused on personal experience as being more important than the revealed truth or the apostles' teaching. And in other words, uh, the way you embrace truth was more of through a mystical and emotional experience, right? And so there wasn't... It had to feel right. It had to feel right. And it doesn't matter what the apostles said. Uh, It didn't matter if Jesus said what Jesus said. It doesn't matter that the scriptures written by the apostles was inspired by God or not. Um, The notion was this, is that there wasn't an objective revealed truth it was an internal truth and and the reason why because they the main point of Gnosticism was this is that Gnostics believed that the material world was evil therefore Jesus who was a human being that walked around uh, as a part of the human world could not really be the divine because he came down because he came down here yeah so he couldn't be because see and if you go back and as I said earlier Plato had this principle in his philosophy called idealism and to try to explain it really quickly is that you and I are sitting at a pub table here right it's a raised table in a square and what Plato was trying to communicate is this he goes in the material world you see this table right and but the problem is that this table has flaws in it I mean, if you and I were to get down, we'd see, oh, there's a, the finish is marred, yes. scratches here, the, the legs aren't perfectly the same length, wobbly, things like that. And he goes, but that doesn't detract from the fact that out there in the spiritual realm, he would call it, is an ideally perfect pub table that this represents. The dream table. It's the dream table. <laughs> and so, but that's not in a reality that we can get. And, and so you, we can go on and on and on about this, but... What that did is that created a dualism, and then that dualism, because, you know, he was in the 4th century B.C., so he was, you know, 400 and some odd years before Christ was born, and this Hellenistic idea just kind of kept perpetrating, 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 and seeding itself into the Roman psyche, the mentality is that, well, flesh bad, spirit good, and the way that practically worked out is, and you see this today, is that, well, it's what I think, not so much what I do, and this is why you had Stoics. rise up and we could go on and on about this but what I really want to say is that the end result was this is that the only way you could meet the divine was not through Jesus but through secret knowledge you see and the way you get to the secret knowledge is not by reading truth but it was by having this mystical experience so they focused 
on mystical experiences with God. So very similar to uh, a lot of Native American uh, beliefs have some sort of like a spirit walk where that's where you have this kind of created um, revelation kind of a thing. Not necessarily, I mean, I don't want to generalize their beliefs, but a lot of what uh, Hollywood portrays it as is you go on a spirit walk and then you suddenly are connected to the mystical. You have this hidden knowledge revealed to you on your spirit journey. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's really interesting because there's been a lot of cultural anthropologists who are missinologists, you know, and so uh, they focus primarily on, and it's really interesting because Native American belief systems were extremely divergent, you know what I'm saying? And uh, however, they did have some commonalities in it, and for them, it was, it was, they, their picture of the great father, you know, they had a concept of God, the creator. And so what they were trying to do is figure out how to communicate and how to connect. You know, and they didn't, as as Paul says in Romans, you have a zeal for God. And I think the Native Americans initially really had a zeal for God. And, uh, but what happened is, Paul says in Romans, but you lack knowledge, you know, on how to do that. And so what Gnosticism did was it actually took that a step further and said, well, you can't know that God. You can't. Unless you have secret knowledge that we can share with you and you couple it with. So what they did is they used that over time to basically say that everything that Jesus taught about being righteous or trying to live and particularly in the area of sexuality is that, well, Jesus didn't really say that. Jesus didn't mean that, you see. And the reason why Gnosticism died out was because it basically devolved into a sexual promiscuity cult, which it got wild and crazy. So, well, especially in the Romans, were mm-hmm. pretty renowned for their oh yeah um, depravity. Depravity. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> Isn't word. that a great word? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's very much so. So I mean, as as a concept, Gnosticism, it's it's very far reaching. Like it's, it's pretty complicated. Like, Mm -hmm. is there a way to, I guess, what's the, what's the question we should be asking as far as, as that's concerned? Like, is that something that's still going on today? Is that something that's influencing our culture now? And we're just unaware of it. What's, what's that look like? Well, I think it, it's, uh, uh, if I may be so bold as to use a virus, in the midst of COVID illustration, it's a virus that runs in the background. You know, you can't see it and you can't smell it, but boy, it can ruin your life really fast and it can kill you. And that's what it does. It all comes down to a very simple thing. And that is this, is each person has to ask in their own heart, who do I believe? Do I believe me, myself and I? Or do I believe Jesus and what he says about me? And I find this really prevalent among people under 35 years of age today because they were raised in a culture that was extremely sexually promiscuous. And they have been taught that any expression of sexuality has been ordained by God. And the phrase that I hear constantly regardless of how they want to express themselves sexually, is this, God made me this way. God made me this way. And so it can't be wrong if God made me this way. 
And so my follow-up question, and this is why a lot of times people won't come and talk to me about it, is because my follow-up question is always this. Well, who told you God made you that way? Who told you that? Why do you believe that? Because if you read the New Testament, Jesus unequivocally says, God did not make you that way. Right. I mean, it's, it's so clear. God didn't make you that way. So, so then my next step in, in, in trying to help people navigate that is this, is that the only way you'll find what you're really looking for is to believe what God says about you first. And that is the path to true freedom. That's the path to salvation. That's the path to happiness and to joy and fulfillment and meaning and purpose. And so it begins with that simple question. Gnosticism is the virus that is so prevalent in American society today. And it has convinced people that what I want is what I should believe as opposed to what God says. It's, it's going back to that phrase that I hear a lot of, this is my truth. Yeah. So they're utilizing their truth or their interpretation of the truth yeah. rather than this biblical truth that has been laid out for us. Yeah, and, and you can go back. It's like, well, when you focus on how you perceive knowledge and how you get knowledge um, you from the ancient Gnostics, and you see those similarities right now. Right now in our culture, that's yeah. going, that's purveying everywhere. What, where are those connections that you're seeing? Like I've thrown out that phrase, you know, my truth. What are the ones you're seeing that are, are more dominant? Well, I think, you know, you very insightful for you to ha- see that phrase, but it's interesting to me where they apply that phrase. You see? So, th- so the assumption is, oh, well, this is true, but then you apply it to all of these different things. And that's where it really starts to become incongruent. Uh, there's a fr- an old cliche in, in uh, philosophy, and that is the devil is in the details, <laughs> you know, that and that's where true. he works. But the, no- no- the Gnostics focus on special knowledge or knowing something that only you can see and your personal experiential inner truth. And this has actually been the philosophy that has been taught in our public school system, in our universities, through our media and through movies in the last for over the last 30 years 40 years this is why people who are 35 and younger are so they're not aware that their brain is wired this way and and sometimes the older generation looks at it and goes i don't i don't get this what's wrong with you (laughs) they don't they just don't get that and i go well i think you have to understand is that this is the virus that they were given early on and taught to think this way, and it influences them. Just like Gnosticism influences me, you know, it influences me in ways. And, and, and so I think that we have had such an emphasis on pursuing our own truth that most of the conflict that we see today in America is a result of that. Um, all of the divisiveness over COVID, you know, it's absolutely amazing to me. You know, it's absolutely amazing to me is that a pandemic hits America, right? And it's just amazing to me that people are trying to say that your political persuasion determines whether or not you're effectively addressing COVID. Right. To me, that is the most insane approach to this ever. Absolutely. Uh, th- this is the one time 
when everybody should just say to all of the politicians and everybody screaming, shut up. Just shut up. See, now that's salty pastor right there. <laughs> There's the salty <laughs> that some people are expecting when they turn this podcast yeah, Just on. shut up. Uh, what we need to do is realize there's no good answers. There's no good answers. It's a virus that there is no cure for and there's no vaccine. Right. And there's been many viruses like this throughout the history of the world. And you read back and you look at the history of viruses in Western civilization in the history of the church. And what you find is that it is that it's bad and people get it and people are going to suffer from it and it's heartbreaking and we need to support and love one another as God is loving us through this that's the only way America or neighborhoods or people or communities are going to get through this and because we're all going to suffer loss and we're all going to suffer the grief of losing people we're all going to suffer these things and we need to put aside you know know, republican democrat we need to just get rid of all that and we need to say we're going to be human beings here and get rid of your politics but gnosticism is so infected people that they can't do that it's almost like they're kind of if we're going back to we started by talking about um being out on the sea you're you're captain is it's like they're almost lost like and they're just trying to hold on to whatever they can and for a lot of people their political identity is the only thing that really can hold on to them right now it's an election year as well so it's even more amped out is there a way to really fight this lostness can we use i mean we're focusing on love is is love the cure for this is that is it you know we throw everything away like you said and we just Mm -hmm. focus on love what's what's the cure for this lostness well, I, I think that the church is going to have to rediscover the truth of God's love. And I think that one of the things that I've seen, the connection that I have made personally, is that, is that when you tell people that your truth is the most important thing, it doesn't matter what the facts are, because you only believe facts that fit your pre conceived bias in economics you know my kids who studied economics and this is their their mathematics and economics are their chosen career paths they're data crunchers they're (laughs) math people and i have no idea they got it from their mother but they're pretty fun for being (laughs) i I got to dj both of their weddings and they're both very fun for as (laughs) as data driven as they are they are very fun people and and so what they tell me all the time or some sometimes even when i'm like talking about something they'll say oh confirmation bias <laughs> and that's just really and that is is that you know what human nature is you know what my nature is as a human being is that i only want to listen to facts and things and truths that confirm what i already believe right and it goes back to the original question how do you cut through the complication of how narcissism in, impacts you is you ask yourself a simple question do i believe me myself and i or do i believe god and what he says about me And so I think that's really it, is that first of all, we have to rediscover the truth of God's love. And so we have to go back to the basic principles. And that is case in point. I I think one thing is that um, the truth of God's love is based on an objective truth. And that truth is, is that God's love dictates to me how I treat people. And God's love 
dictates to me that I have to treat people equally. Now, I don't know how much time we have, but I'm going to get super salty here real quick. you got about almost uh, 10 minutes. All right, so let's so, get super salty. So let's get salty. Let's get let's in Let's get it. really, really salty. So if you believe that you're a follower of Christ and you hate Republicans, you are not living in the will of God. Because that's what it says right here. It says, if you say that you love God, if someone says, verse 20, I love God and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. If you say that you love God and you hate Democrats and liberals and leftists, you're a liar. That's what this verse says. That's going to cause some waves for some people. Some of yeah. our listeners may not like to hear that. <laughs> I'm salty. The saltiness. <laughs> but that's what it says. And the thing is, is that I'm not here to preach my opinion. I'm not here to share with you my opinion because my opinion is worthless. It is. It's absolutely worthless. All I can do is share with you is what God's objective truth says. His truth says, I must treat everybody with equal dignity. Okay. So the first thing I do is I I can't say I'm that doesn't mean I don't stand up. It doesn't mean I don't fight for what's right. But what it does mean is that when I'm motivated by hatred, then I am not in God's will for the world. Okay, and so I think the second application of this even goes even further. And this is in our society. The appeal right now in the media is for you to pick sides. It's to treat people differently. What young people have been taught, like I said, 35 and younger, they have been taught that you would treat people differently based on their unique circumstance because their truth is different than your truth, right? So you have to be sensitive to that. You have to listen to it, and you have to treat them differently, okay? We should treat them differently because of their ethnicity, okay? Because you can't understand. So you can't understand that. Well, you know what that is? That's Gnostic teaching. That's what that is when you buy into that belief system. When you say, I should treat people differently because of their sexual desire, and we should treat them differently, yeah, that's Gnostic teaching, and it's infiltrated your Christian faith. When you say, I should treat people differently based on their social status, you know, oh, well, that's Gnostic thinking. What, what God says to us is that we are to treat everybody equally, even though we may fail in that goal, that's what we're called to do. And that means we treat it, we have to treat everybody equally. And so we don't split people into all these little special interest groups and then give each and every one of them special rights and special groups. This is not the truth of God's love. And if we allow our culture to do that, I can guarantee you what will happen is that because when you're not in God's will and you're not following God's truth and God's power of love, what do you, what do you actually following you're following your own, yeah you're worlds. on your the worlds which is satan and he's the god of this world he has the power there and the one thing that i can tell you is that satan has one agenda and that is to kill and destroy his goal is to divide and destroy and so people who are going down that now i can easily call people out like i just did right now and say look if you're thinking that way that is not truth and that is not effective and it ends in destruction and anger and hatred and war that's where it ends, in the, the willing justification of the murder of other people, in the destruction of them. And so that's where that ends up. And that's where a big chunk of people, I don't know how many, maybe 20% right now of our, of our society are racing down that road. 
And that's what they want. They want to destroy and burn and kill. And what we have to do is we have to be able to truthfully stand up and call it out and say, that's where it ends up. And you don't have to make that argument, you know, from just a religious argument, because it's true, as the scripture teaches, I can continue to speak truth and it pierces through the darkness. And so I think that's how we counter it, you know, is we is that we have to get really good about knowing the authentic truth of God's word. But, you know, so few people in America, here's another salty thing that's really not going to go down well, but <laughs> is that so few people say they love God and they know nothing about him. People, people love God. They have no, they say, I have no need for the church. I have no need for community. I have no need to be challenged and held accountable. And I'm like, you're a Gnostic. You're a Gnostic Christian. You're not an authentic Christian. You're a Gnostic Christian, you know. And that is, uh, I'm not trying to say that you don't somewhere think you have a desire to follow God. All I can say is that you're on a path where you're deceiving yourself. Well, that's not, well, that's salty, isn't it? (laughs) Now, how do I know that's true? How do I know that that's true? Because I've been there. (laughs) You know, I've gone down paths where I deceived myself and I thought I was so right. And then, but in those rare moments, something would give me pause and I would pray and I would say, God, I, why am I so filled with, you know, angst or anger or hatred or unfor? Why am I so filled with that? And I would just crack that door open and then the love of God would just kick it down and come screaming in and go, that's because you're not listening to me. You're listening to everybody else in this world. And I know those are hard things to say. They're salty. That's super hard. Yeah, it's super hard. But the path to life and the path to truth and the path to freedom and abundance and joy is narrow and a lot of people struggle to find it you don't get to just wander in and out and all around it's not a meandering <laughs> try everything you know <laughs> so i know that's salty and so we're going to try to talk about the power of love on this sunday but our our society right now is not going to be served by having people who say they love God jump in and take sides and try to hate and spew and be angry. Um, you got to find a way to stand tall in truth. And the best way to do that is not post stuff on social media. It's talking about division. That's the way to... That's the straight way to yeah. division. It's is, just a cesspool out yeah. there. You know, we've started an online presence. And so it's just amazing to me the things people write to me and say to me. It is literally a cesspool. It's, well, it's the an- anonymity and uh, yeah. I believe this is true. It's their truth. Yeah. They want they want to say this is what I know and this is what I is is true for me so obviously you're wrong so yeah. <laughs> and that's easy to do when you're not doing a face-to-face confrontation when you just type a couple lines up on social media and send yeah. it out it's very easy to uh quote unquote speak your truth yeah so. and so you know and and so I I just want to say is that the power of love right now I think is this and that is uh a couple practical ways and that is is you really want to stop where our society is going, then be a part of a church. 
be just go and love the reason a church is there is not to serve you it's not to make you feel better about your life the reason jesus christ created the church is so that you could find your purpose those people are there so that you can go and figure out how to love them as god has loved you that's the only way you'll grow in your faith if you go and say oh i go to this church because it's this that or the other and boy i feel closer to god that's not true you see the church exists for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to be the body of Christ, and that is to fulfill your ministry. So the best way to fall in love with a church is to figure out how to love those people. Right. The same thing for married people. So many times, you know, married people come in, and, and they're so angry, and they're so upset with each other, and they're like, well, he does this, she does that. He does this. She does that. And then I said, okay, well, what if you were to love and sacrifice? And the thing I hear more than anything else is not until they do it first. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is intractable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it go. And so the way that we're going to solve the problems out there is, is that what's going on in another state? You might be informed about that stuff, but the best way to stop Satan and his march across our nation right now is to go out and love your neighbor as yourself is to go over and say look I'm here to just be friends with you and you know when people get in groups and tribes and they start screaming all kinds of violence comes out of that and then the final thing here's another really salty thing is to say and final, that is final salt final of the, salt of the, of the day and that is is that what our politicians are doing to our police officers is unconscionable to me. I'm, I'm, it, it, it just infuriates me what they're doing. Is that they put them in harm's way, tell them they can't do their job, and then they get them to, to go out and violate people's civil rights by, by forcing them to enforce unconstitutional laws. I mean, the poor police, man, these are the guys and gals on the front line. And so one of the best things that we could do is just spend some time and say, I've got your back. I love and appreciate what you're doing. When you, when you respect a police officer, you're not saying that everyone who puts on the uniform is perfect. You're not. What you are saying, though, is that if I believe and I hope and I love as God has loved me and I build you up, then the quality of those police officers goes up. Their sense of conscientious manner in doing their job goes up. Their faithfulness goes up. And the most important thing is to pray for their protection and their families. And so... You know, I'm behind people who willingly make a sacrificial choice to serve others. And that's what cops do. You know, they do that. And we should respect that. And trying to use them to make a political point by screaming at them and throwing stuff at them, that's unconscionable. And the fact that, that, that political leaders are putting our cops in that position and they are allowing these violence activities to go on and the cops can't respond i i just i mean that just is unbelievable to me 
Well, we are at the end of our time. What was that salty enough for yeah, you? Yeah, hey, that's, <laughs> we've got we've got all kinds of salt on this podcast. The good, the bad, the sea, the seasoning. We could start a cooking show too. We'll start a cooking show. We'll get it all. So, yep. um, thank you for joining us today on episode four. Um, this weekend, uh, Pastor Doug will be finishing our FH Strong um, series with his sermon on love. So some of the stuff we talked about will be in there. Obviously, this is a deeper dive than you'll be able to do in the 25 minutes on Sunday. Yeah. But make sure you tune into that. Also, please, please, please um, leave a five-star rating for us on iTunes or your podcast of choice. Um, uh, wherever that may be that you're listening or on YouTube, leave a comment because these things really speak to people. We're talking about some things that are very, very applicable to people right now and they need to hear them. And the best way for them to hear them or us to uh, pop up in their feed is that you engage and say, hey, this is worth listening to. So thank you so much for joining us and we will mm-hmm. see you next week on the next episode <laughs> of The Salty, Salty Pastor. Pastor.